Welcome everybody to today's episode of Sam Talks Telehealth. And I'm actually this time doing a two-part series so you can tune in this one and then the next one. And we're really looking at a common question that's been coming up for my clients and different people throughout the industry is, what is a digital health strategy? And this is something that clients come and they say, man, I need my digital health strategy. I need to be able to know, am I hiring a, you know, an information officer, a telehealth executive, a digital health executive? What's my strategy? And what I will always say, which is actually more important, is what is your organizational strategy? What is your practice strategy? What is your hospital strategy? And so in today's episodes, we're really going to focus on larger health systems, different kinds of ways they can look at the digital health strategy. And the reason the question is more important than what's my digital health strategy is what is my strategy is because just like we always, always talk about on this podcast is telehealth, virtual care, whatever you want to nomenclature, you want to give it digital health is only a tool to deliver clinical care. It is not a unique and distinct clinical service. And so when people go with this, I'm going to create a digital strategy. Well, what's that old saying? It's like um, execution, each strategy for lunch. You don't want one more strategy that people are like, oh, Jesus, here they come again with their one more strategy. Instead, what you want to say is, what is my overall organizational strategy? And how does digital health, telehealth, virtual care, how does it help me meet those specific goals? Because when we think about where we are now, 2021, well into everyone using telehealth, using virtual care in some way, we really need to be thinking about how do these tools help me deliver the care I want to do and help me meet the strategy I want to have. So again, in today's episode, this is going to be a two-part series. Um, we like to keep these quick and we're going to focus today really on hospitals and health systems, but then come back for the next episode and that one will be looking more at organizations, smaller practices, what would they do and how would we talk about the digital strategy? Again, what's your strategy? Then the question because how does virtual care help us meet that strategy? So I'm going to take two different strategies that tend to be really common things that health systems, hospitals will have. So strategy number one, there is a strategy of grow the neuroscience service line, right? And why is that? Because we want to increase access to outpatient neurology services. And then we want to be a leader for neurosurgery, right? These are very common things I see in different service lines, strategies. And so those metrics they have, grow neuroservice, neuroscience service line. And then it'll be like, yeah, because I want to increase access in outpatient neuroservices because we know that's often very hard to get into. And I want to be a regional leader for neurosurgery. So I look at that right away and I say, how can digital health, how can virtual care support that strategic goal? Okay, how can it support that strategic goal? So let's take the example of I want to increase access to neurology outpatient services. And the reality there is e-visits. So if we think about e-visits, the current definition we have out there or e-visits would be um, email algorithms. This could be a question set that's sent out to someone. This could be actually a place um, in, say, in primary care. Someone might go to your website and it says, oh, do you have a rash or do you have this or that? Hey, do you want to do an e-visit? It's like I'm going to ask you these 
10, 15, 40, who knows, questions. <laughs> and that, that algorithm question set is gonna give me enough information to then be able to give you some kind of diagnosis. So um, things I've actually implemented with my clients before, e-visits for stable follow-up epileptic and MSF, MS patients. So here you would actually create an e-visit question set that really matches um, what you ask when you come into practice. So oftentimes if you sit down with the neurologist and you say, hey, well, what do you ask when they come in for XYZ? Of course there's variety. All you clinicians out there, don't be worried. I don't understand the clinical variety, but for the most part, you're gonna be like, yeah, I want, I check this and that, and if they say yes to this, then I go this and da da da, right? It's somewhat of an algorithm that you're asking. So you can create a question set to manage your stable patients remotely. And then what you can actually do is automate the EMR to notify those stable patients on the frequency that you would normally see them in person. Or if in the beginning you're a little nervous of like, well, I wanna make sure I'm still giving them really top quality care and I'm not missing anything, you might increase that frequency a little bit. So you've got an automated system that's actually going out to do ongoing chronic care management, right? I know they're stable, I know they're in good shape, I know normally I wanna see them every X number of months to be able to check on them. So instead now we automate the EMR to send them that e-visit and then they can actually answer all those questions and you've already worked with the neurologist, you're always working um, with a specialized epilepsy, epileptologist, love that name, and then an MS neurologist and you're building these question sets. From there, once that you've automated it to go out and ask them, and then once that comes back in, there's an in-basket messaging that's handled in a way um, that can either be only to that epileptologist, it could be that it comes to advanced practice first, and then a physician reviews it if anything's different. Again, it depends on how large your system is and what your kind of resources are. And from there, if the condition has changed, you can then offer that patient a video visit or an in-person visit for your next available. You can also, if everything's stable, everything's the same, you're not concerned about seeing them again or in that context more, you don't need any further care, you can do an e-prescribed refill straight into the EMR, straight from the EMR. What's important here is when we think about some of our different disease states, and we take neurology, we have plenty of chronic disease within neurology that you are stable, but we need to see you and need to make sure. So how about instead we build this e-visit workflow? The great thing is, let's say you have, I'm just gonna make up a number. Let's say you have um, 20 epileptic stable patients that you see every month that come into the practice. Even if that visit is only 15 minutes, which it unlikely is in neurology because you're gonna be talking about lots of different things, you can really decant that and make that an e-visit. Clinically viable, something I've done with clients before. So that's one way. So now instead of saying, what's my digital strategy? What we said was, I have a strategy of grow neuroscience service line, and I want to increase access to outpatient neurology. And I know that I have a lot of chronic disease um, neuro patients. And if I know that my stable epileptic and MS patients can do an e-visit, an email algorithm, then there may be a certain percentage that I won't need to see in the practice in person unless their status changes. Okay, another way you can do this is actually set up your EMR scheduling that maps chief complaints to the acceptable appointment type. 
right? Crazy. So think about it this way. It supports the schedulers in, for example, you have, I'm going to um, uh, go over different things. So like it would be the right patient, the right tool with the right kind of provider. So for example, you can have phone calls, emails, video in person. So let's take a few examples. New MS diagnosis, new patient, that always equals in-person. That means when that scheduler comes up, the EMR's already been designed in a way that's told them, oh, new MS, new patient, we must see them in person. Stable follow-up MS patient for a routine checkup equals e-visit. So when someone calls for that, the first thing that scheduler is able to do is say, oh my gosh, um, you know, Mr. Jones, I'm so glad you called. We've got this great new service. It's called an e-visit. It will save you the time from even coming into the clinic and you'll have answer the questions that you would normally, you know, talk to the doctor about, you know, those ones you always answer. Instead, we'll do that for a quick email. Doesn't that sound great? So great option. Uh, another example, stable follow-up patient med check. Now on this, you may have telephone or video because you're like, you know, I don't want this to be email only. I definitely might want to talk to them on the phone or if they really want that one-to-one um, -one, or I'm not really sure, I might want to lay eyes on them, let's do a video. You could have new dementia patient with the caregiver. Now that for you could be video or in person. And some of you might be going, Sam, I don't want a new patient through video. Well, a dementia patient with a caregiver if you're not doing a physical exam for that caregiver, that video visit may actually be a better way to have that for you. And then the patients in the their, their home environment, things like that. Okay, so that's number two. This is how do I increase access to outpatient neurology services? I'm using digital health by setting up my EMR with all my chief complaints mapped already to the types of way I would see those patients. It's email, telephone, video, in person. No one's better than the other. It's deciding what's the right way to see the patient. Okay, number three. I want to create an e-consult service for primary care to neurology. What's things, one thing we know about specialties such as neurology, endo, psych, right? They get a lot of referrals because in primary care, depending on what your comfort level is with the specific uh, disease states, you're like, mm, I got to send that to neurology. I'm not sure. An e-consult is a service paid for by CMS, full reimbursement, and by all private payers that, um, and Medicaid, not necessarily, but private payers, um, Medicare, that is a doc-to-doc -doc conversation. So your specialist to primary care, your um, advanced practice to psychology, like these different, are we getting a consultation? Think of your curbside consult, but electronically. And here you can actually, again, design a workflow. So we might decide that all abnormal MRIs, I want an e-consult on before you refer that patient to me from primary care, because that's a very normal one that neurologists say, oh, if I could just have told primary care, abnormal MRI, it was fine. I would have told them to do this, that, or the other, or I would have just told them it was fine. So in this, you're actually setting up a workflow with specific diseases, with specific questions that you're having primary care present to you. 
and then you're able to answer it. This is um, the initial back and forth does not have to be in real time, depending on what you're coding for. If you're going for reimbursement, then there does have to be a phone call between the docs to get the highest level of reimbursement. But it gives you a formalized reimbursable way to have curbside consultations. So create an e-consult service, primary care to neurology. Again, this matches your goal of how do I increase access to outpatient neurology services. Okay, next, and all of that is under the umbrella. Let me add that too. All of that's under the umbrella of decanting neurology clinics to increase access for new and complex patients. So you're, decre you're decanting your, your, your stable people, your people who don't necessarily need to be seen that could be managed in primary care. You're decanting those clinics to make sure you really have the best, um, the space available for your most complex and new patients. Now, your other goal was grow, neuros <laughs> grow neuroscience service line, regional leader for neurosurgery. Implement or expand services to rural hospitals. And what does that often mean? That often means expand your telestroke services, create a telestroke network. Stroke is what re leads to neurosurgery. There's only so many strokes you're gonna get in one, your one particular place. And so one quote unquote easy way to get real quick to neurosurgery is get real quick to strokes. And so if you are a large health system and you already have 24 seven neurology coverage because you may be level one trauma center, you may be an academic medical center, whatever that looks like for you. If you have 24 seven coverage of neurologists, then there's no reason you shouldn't be the leader in stroke, uh, telestroke coverage. It's now considered appropriate. It's standard of care. And in fact, the Joint Commission looks at it for most hospitals that if your ED doesn't have a telestroke service, an inbound telestroke service from a specialized stroke neurologist, then you are not providing the highest quality of care. All of that's reimbursable, regardless of the geographic locations, all payers pay for it. That's been going on for quite some time. So how do I become a regional leader for neurosurgery? I make sure that I have a strong telestroke uh, program throughout my region. I might be in multiple states. I might do something like that. And that way, when appropriate, those transfers come into that highest level of care and you can then have um, a regional leader for neurosurgery. So that is an example, strategy number one, grow neuroservice line. And when I think about then what's my digital health strategy, my digital health strategy is supporting it. So I might wanna have like the best digital health, but the best digital health is only gonna be adopted by my organization and only gonna be really used if it is feeding my larger strategy. Everybody's strategic out, everybody. It's like one more strategy, one more administrator rolling in here with their big strategic idea, one more de business development person with their big strategic idea. Let's instead say, hey, we have this overarching strategy. We have a great tool called digital health, virtual care, telemedicine. And by doing these specific things, we will be able to meet this strategy. And so they're not separate, they're the same. Digital health strategy, really just supports the strategy your other doing. Let me give you one more example. Okay, reduce surgical site infections. Everybody wants that, right? Everybody's like, I need to reduce that. Unless you're already in the top tier, lots of people have surgical site infection um, issues. 
and we want to reduce them, right? No good. So usually you'll see two metrics like this. If my strategy number two is reduce surgical site infections, then I have a metric like increase CH3 pre-surgical bathing compliance, right? Super important. Or, and, or, and I'm going to increase 24-7, 24-hour, and 72-hour post-op checks. Well, I look at that and then I say, can digital health, can virtual care, can telemedicine help support my strategy of reduced surgical site infections? I know I need to increase CHG pre-surgical bathing compliance. I know I need to also increase my 24-hour and 72-hour post-op checks. So, well, how can I do that using digital health, digital health tools? Well, number one, you could create multimedia patient tools like with the CHG instructions, you can have a short video, like short, a minute, wash here, do this at this time. You could have a written brochure in English and in Spanish and in whatever languages are very prevalent in your area that that patient could access online. That patient could be texted that. That patient could be emailed that. You could then have something they click to confirm they understood and watched it. As opposed to saying, hey, you have to come in here, I'm gonna talk to you about scrubbing on yourself, and then um, I'm gonna hand you some piece of paper and I hope that works out for you. You could uh, text reminders to them to take the CHG baths. You could text them reminders that, hey, take it one day, two day prior, and the day of surgery, right? Whatever the protocol is, get a text reminder like, oh man, that's that hospital again, tell me to get my CHG bath. But that would help, man. Everyone's got their phone in their hands. You could also do provide video visits for your pre-surgical that doesn't require any tests or any hands-on things. So again, instead of saying, come into the clinic, let me explain all this stuff to you, that could be a video visit. How easy is that, right? And let's not forget, during the pandemic, some of you were probably doing that anyway. So let's just keep it up, right? Make it easy. You could also, now, so those are ones, increase CHG surgical bathing compliance. Those are ways to do it using digital health tools. Number two, how do I increase 24-hour, 72-hour post-op checks? You could create a post-op surgical e-visit questionnaire that you automate within the AMR and you notify the patients to complete the questions and submit 24 hours and 72 hours post-op. And so that e-visit would again go into a provider pool that could be reviewed by the providers. And if they needed to, so the questions could be like, do you have a fever? Is it, you know, pink? Whatever your, you know, is your wound this? Is it that? Asking them the questions, these same things that you ask them or observing them when they come in. Instead, you put this into an e-visit workflow. And then if you do need to see more, you can schedule them for a video visit or an in-person. Now we all know in the surge in surgery, our real goal of surgery is more surgeries. And so that time, whether it's staff time, clinic time, whatever that looks like, that time that is more, um, that time that we can do things remotely is very beneficial to instead use that, what we were doing in person before, make it remote, and then have more people in clinic to be able to find more appropriate surgeries to then get to more surgeries. So again, our strategy number two, research, reduce surgical site infections and instantly ask yourself, what digital tools can I help do this? And so if we think of this as an overall digital health strategy, our overall digital health strategy would be create more e-visits to support 
our um, organizational strategy of increase outpatient access to neurology and decrease surgical site infections. We would, so we're saying our, our digital health strategy are actually more of the tasks we need to complete our overall strategy. Now, of course, can those link together in the sense of if I don't have a good EMR or if I don't have any EM automation in my EMR, then it may be I need to resource that properly. I need to do these kinds of things properly. But it's really, I think what, what's important is when people come up with a digital health strategy because it sounds sexy and because apparently everyone is now like, oh, I need a, a chief digital officer and do I need a do I need a virtual care senior vice president? I mean, if you're huge and you have a big program, if not, you can really just start to look at it more about how does digital health serve? You should absolutely have some, especially as a hospital, some kind of telemedicine director, some kind of things like that. But I think digital transformation is only going to transform you if it actually matches the things you already do. So by, by if you go out and have a different digital health strategy, then you oftentimes are prioritizing things that are actually low priority for the organization, which means you won't have financial support, you won't have staffing support, and people just get tired of you and your strategy. Look at it the other way. Don't ask yourself, what's my digital health strategy? Ask yourself, what's my strategy? And how can my digital health, virtual care, and telemedicine support my strategies? So with that, everybody, that's our episode today for Sam Talks Telehealth. Don't forget, give us a like, give us a comment. Let me know your feedback. Let me know for those of you out there who are love the strategy. What did you think about that? Let me know. And since this is a two-part series, we'll be back next episode talking about the same context, but what does that look like for private practices um, organizations, different kinds that are outside of these larger hospital systems. So with that, thank you for joining me. We look back, look forward to having you back here next time on Sam Talks Telehealth.